the glory days are here to say the 80s horror show. Take a stroll down memory's lane, it's time to start the show. The gory days, the gory days, the gory days. Welcome to the gory days, the show where we take a stroll down memory slain to remember our favorite horror movies from the 1980s and early ni- oh, and beyond. <laughs> I changed my tagline a long time ago. I just practiced it and I didn't get it right. Oh boy, welcome to the gory days. Your host Kyle Leone here for another week. Uh, and as I mentioned on my last episode, if you're interested out there, I've launched a second podcast uh, with my friend Connor. It's called Feeling It Out with Kyle and Connor. It's a little more personal. I talk about some of the stuff that I wouldn't ordinarily share on this podcast just because it's not on brand. But if you're interested, you can check it out where you're listening to podcasts right now. Feeling it out with Kyle and Connor. But this isn't feeling it out with Kyle and Connor. This is the gory days where we talk about movies, <laughs> horror movies, ideally from the 80s and beyond. But oh my God, the movie that we're talking about today. <laughs> You've already seen it. The title of this episode is The Ninth Gate from 1999-2000, Roman Polanski joint. My guest brought this to me. <laughs> and he's looking at me like, oh no, what have I done? My guest today has been on the podcast before. He's no stranger to podcasting, but this is his first time on the gory days. He's a comedy writer based here in Los Angeles, and he's written for College Humor and Comedy Wire. Whew. Please welcome to the gory days for the first time, Jeremy Bloodstein. Thanks for having me, Kyle. Hi, welcome to the gory days. Uh- yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I really appreciate. It. We just met uh, kind of randomly. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, so I have this habit of going to these networking oh, events, yeah, yeah. sitting in the front row, like you're supposed yeah, to. Yeah. You're supposed to sit in the front row, sitting in the front row, and just kind of schmoozing with the people next to me. That one in particular is really funny because I was in a really bad mood that yeah. day, and I honestly like I was this close to not going, and I went. And uh, to be perfectly candid. Something about your energy made me a lot just like calmer and happier yeah. to be there. I, I go to those things and I I've really reached the point in kind of my show business career, uh, you know, using that term loosely, I, where <laughs> like I don't really care about you know irritating people that I want to get in touch with. I just go, I sit in the front row, and I talk to whoever I can. Uh, is at these things. That was a little weird when I asked my question that one time where I asked about, like... It was a, a shame. Yeah. Because at these events, they always have a segment, if you haven't been to one, listeners, it's a panel. This one happened to be at Nickelodeon right. where there were some... Uh, I, I, it was writers, and they were talking yeah. about, yeah, their experience. Well, there, there were a couple managers. there was one writer, I think. It was mainly uh, a few showrunners, which I guess counts as writers, um, managers, agents, and um, yeah, no, it, um, it, it was a good time overall, but I had But then a, they got to the Q&A part. And where, I had a felt a pretty reasonable question where I asked, you know, because this year things were really moving forward uh, with uh, ICM and APA for me. I had a script flagged at the literary departments there, but then... Fantastic. uh, Yeah. But the whole thing that's happened for, you know, if you're not privy to this, there's been a whole big labor dispute where the bigger agencies have lost all their WGA writers, and it's effectively, like, shut down the um, literary department. Mm-hmm. So those opportunities have at the very least been on hold, if not quashed. And so a writer like you find yourself mired in that, confused yeah. with the, the situation as even somebody who's plugged in would be. And so you ask a question. Yeah, so I just asked uh, a agent from a signatory agency just saying, like, you know, are, are people you know, who I've been connecting with uh, 
earlier, are they going to be interested after, you know, a, a year, maybe longer? Because we don't know how long this is going to go on. And I, I don't know. She just did yeah. not take and it the right way. Immediately, she's like, why? I'm like, what? I'm like, why do you want that? And I guess, like, I kind of, and I what I clarified was, look, I've never had an agent. Like, I guess she was like, you know, th- that, that whole system is bad. You shouldn't want to be a part of it. And I didn't get to get into this as much as I'd like to, but I had said, um, look, I've never had an agent. You know, I don't have a frame of reference for what it's like. And she kind of picked up on uh, that. Any port in the storm. And, and, and like, she still seemed a little... I did t- talk to her afterwards. She oh, was a bit more understanding. But, you know, I'm just... You got to understand, I'll take a career with packaging fees, which is what this dispute is at, mm-hmm. than no career at all. <laughs> That's the thing, is I feel like there's this, it's a frustrating thing, this disconnect when we go to some of these events, that they think we're further along than yeah. we are. It's a junior hall, it's a JHRTS, this isn't yeah. Associates or whatever, the the middle tier, so there's, it, it's so interesting that in the junior level, you have this wide fluctuation of yeah. completely green people who m- literally just moved here and are just trying to meet people. And then you have others who are this close away from like breaking and yeah. making it and becoming the other side of that panel and being on the panel. Yeah. I mean, I will say the the good thing for me now with JHRTS is that if you're a writer and you aren't afraid to talk to people. You can get a lot of things going. Like right now I have six people looking at a script and most of that's through JHRTS. That's incredible. Is that a, a comedy? You're a comedy yeah, writer? Yeah, so, exactly. Okay, so perfect. I've got a pilot, you know, the one that was doing better earlier this year. People are interested in, you know, a lot of cold emailing, a lot of, um, you know, just going up to people. Like I went to the holiday party. That was very practical. Oh, nice. Yeah, GHRTS holiday party is always great. You know, the idea is wait for people to get kind of drunk, <laughs> and then you know it's easier to talk to them. And they're you know I got some business cards, and you know the next day just saying hey we met, yes, in the script. Hey we met, yes, in the script. And uh, so you know we're gonna hear back from that soon. Just need one yes to uh, turn things around. Sure, I mean that's how you do it. Uh, so I want to talk about about uh, your comedy yeah. writing. So. Are you from L.A. originally? No, I'm actually from South Salem, New York, which is um, near uh, New York City. Okay. Uh, my comedy writing, comedy in general started for me... Like, do you come from stand-up? Do you come from improv or I, sketch? I mostly come from stand-up. Okay. I mean, actually, you could say I kind of come from uh, being like a humorist. like Because uh, my first thing that I did in comedy, at the advice of a therapist, actually, was to write a... Um, comedy column in the Dickinson College newspaper. Okay. Because I went to Dickinson College in in, uh, Carlisle, Pennsylvania. And it was weirdly successful. Like, people, you know, it's a college newspaper, so I didn't really think many people would read it, but I'd periodically get emails about how much people liked it, um, how funny it was. Was it like slice of life writing about your experience or observational? It was mainly observational things and a bit of slice of life. It was really like, okay, um just write like a funny, whatever I wanted to talk about, you know, so something I saw on TV or, you know, occasionally campus politics. There was um, a weird one. I remember where, uh, you know, they were just saying like, Hey, you know, you shouldn't walk around at night alone. And we had this big, weird meeting with like the public safety people about it. And I was just like, what is going on? (laughs) That, that was strange. So it was really just kind of whatever I felt I could write a column about and that was your first time writing comedy in a place that people were seeing it yeah i'd have to say so i did some writing uh some one act play stuff in high school but i I, nothing but it wasn't comedic at first i didn't really realize i knew i was into writing 
But it did, took me a little while to really figure out comedy. So after college... Um, did you study writing in college? Yeah, I was an English major. I okay. did a lot of creative writing. Gotcha. Um, and, you know, even started dabbling in script writing. I, I wrote a very cra- a very bad feature oh, wow. uh, in my freshman year. But, and, you know, I even had a screenwriting professor. He told me it was crap. But what I didn't really realize at the time was... Um, yeah, the f- important thing was that I finished exactly. it. Exactly. Most people don't finish. Exactly. That's what I was going to say is that it has to be done for someone to tell you it's crap. Yeah, and exactly. And that's one step further than a lot of people. Yeah, so I, I, I just kind of kept with it. But after um, college, I moved to New York City for just because, you know, that's the place to be. It's either New York or L.A. You make a choice yeah. and you were closer to New York. Well, I was closer to New York and what start, And I did a lot of stand-up comedy and I wasn't bad at stand-up comedy, but I wa- never felt I was great. I had a bit of trouble getting booked on things, you mm. know, and I didn't quite enjoy it as much as a lot of people that um, I hung out with did. And Seems like you really have to love that to keep doing it. it. It's a hard thing, you know. It's tough to deal with bombing. It's tough to deal with... Um, just doing a show for literally no one. I've done shows for for just bartenders, Ugh. and that's a bit tough. Um, so there, steals you. Yeah, it's <laughs> it, it, it's. But the thing was, I didn't feel like I was really getting anywhere with it. So, and the thing is, also you hang around a lot. You'll start to see like fifty and sixty year olds who Ooh. have been doing it forever, and I felt like man, that's that, disheartening. That, that's like where I'm headed if that. So what started happening was, you know, I started writing uh, spec scripts for, you know, already existing shows and entering into contests. And that's when things started to pick up. Okay. Like, um, like at the f- Austin Film Festival. Yeah, exactly. So I uh, was a finalist in the Hollywood Screenplay Contest. I was a semifinalist in Scriptapalooza. I've been a second rounder three times in Austin Film Festival. Um, yeah, I went to, and I guess going to Austin, I actually went to the actual film festival itself. And nice. that really kind of lit a fire under me to really get going with the writing. Yeah, just being in that environment and being a semi-finalist yeah. like, gets the attention. Yeah, I, w- I uh, felt like, you know, this is clearly what... I'm definitely better at this than stand-up. I feel like, you know, I'd certainly regret not uh, giving it all I had. So, so what was the last straw to move from New York to L.A.? I don't know if there was really a last straw. i kind of been planning on it for a while. Okay. Uh, saved up some money. And, you know, I've been working sales jobs, which I've really been trying to get away from. I mean, I probably might have to, depending on uh, whether some stuff happens with writing soon, I probably will have to return to another sales job. I know what you mean. But, um, you know, I've, um, you know, we, we're in a kind of weird, pl- you know, beginning of the year was very good. Then this WGA thing, I don't know what would happen with those opportunities, but I got a lot more opportunities now. Um, you know, we're getting there. I'm hoping for some uh, turnaround soon. Yeah, we'll absolutely. See. So what are you working on these days? Uh, mm. More spec pilots or another yeah, feature? Wor- yeah, uh, still half-hour comedies. I'm working on something I'm calling Wildlife right now. It's about um, wildlife photographers, you know, kind of having a very low-level person who's mainly a wedding photographer who uh, gets involved with a very high-level um, you know, well-known wildlife photographers, upper-class British fellow. Okay. And they, you know, kind of an explorer type. Uh, and, you know, the idea is traveling around. And um, I'm thinking specifically for animation, you oh. know, just trying to, uh, you know, expand the portfolio. But I think it's so far, I'm, I'm only about half, I think I just have to get halfway through the last act, and then I'm done. And uh, With the pilot? Yeah. 
And that'll be number 14. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's exciting. Fantastic. So you moved out here. Did you have uh, a job lined up or a place to no, live? Did I, you couch I, um Basically what happened was I had saved up a lot of money. I was living in a pretty crummy area of Echo Park. It might have been more historic Filipino town, you know. Okay. Uh, just west of downtown, you sure. know, kind of just, uh, not a nice it's area. It's an okay part. Yeah, okay. Especially <laughs> like, well, there are a lot of, you know... Uh, syringes and yeah. uh you know you walk around a certain time of day you'll see yeah. people doing heroin you got uh, out of there yeah that's but that's not unusual for any urban setting these days sure um so i was living there for a while basically what happened was i then um got a job in the culver city area which was a sales job uh it was extremely not good <laughs> um but i did it i would get to the office at 6 30 in the morning do cold calling all day yep Need that paycheck. Yeah, and he the paycheck had bosses who, I don't know, they just didn't like anyone. But in the <laughs> evening, you're working on your stuff, right? Yeah, exactly. That's awesome. I, I will say, though, that did, um, you know, it's hard to focus and write after a full day of work. But, you know, I always say to do an hour a day. Yeah. Because then in a month, you're basically finished a pilot. Yeah, and an hour can be like one sentence, one line of yeah, dialogue. Yeah, I've definitely had five pages. writing days where I've written out like a scene heading. Well, yeah, I guess that's, <laughs> all, that's, that's what we're doing today. Okay. One more thing than, yeah, doing nothing. Exactly. Yeah. So you're primarily a comedy writer, but shifting over to horror on the gory days yeah. here, do you have a relationship with horror at I, all? I guess any? I kind of have a complicated relationship with horror movies. Well, tell us about Because I don't really like to be scared. <laughs> I, I have a lot of anxiety as it is, so um, horror movies can kind of give me anxiety. But I also really like uh, things that are thematically about the occult mm. or, um, like, I like The Twilight Zone. I love The X-Files because they're not really scary. I like spooky, I guess, not okay. scary. I get it. So um, in your uh like X-Files and stuff, is this something that you enjoy outside of uh, entertainment and stuff? Are you into the occult? Are you a believer? No, God, no? no thank God. I, uh, no, I, I don't really... Me neither, but I wanted to... to I mean, if you're into in that, that, that's cool, but um, I, I remember actually... So I've actually written some horror comedies. Oh, very Because cool. I think um, horror... Most horror stuff, and I think The Ninth Gate is a good in, in example, if you just give it a push in the right direction, it could be a really good comedy. Interesting. What do you mean? Well, that the I mean, groundwork is already there and themes? I think a lot of horror relies on people acting stupidly. <laughs> yeah. And I think if you kind of go with that, it's it can be funny. And I always kind of am the the choice is it, it's already a a horror movie is already an outrageous situation. And if it's an outrageous situation, it can be a funny situation. I think you're echoing exactly what Wes Craven was trying to say oh, in really? Scream. You know, is yeah. that like the stupid decisions that um, when you're watching a movie, you're suspending disbelief. So when somebody runs upstairs, it's only after, you know, 30 movies or yeah. tropes that you go like, oh, my God, that's so stupid. But you never think about it in the moment. Or um, like how the fact that uh, movies with jump scares set up the audience to laugh afterward, yeah. to go, oh, my gosh. And then, oh, God, yeah, it's just yeah. a silly thing. So there is an element of comedy yeah I, I just think you know if you're in these like oh man if you're uh thinking like uh twilight zone like this last man on earth thing 
Like that could be really funny yes. in, the, in the right situation. And or, I'm, um, I'm trying to think of some other examples like uh, Tucker and Dale versus oh, Evil. Sure. Um, Scouts versus there, there are tons of uh, uh, Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, uh, there yeah. you go. Thank I you. think that's the best one of those because that really gets into the nitty gritty of like horror tropes. I love that one specifically because it is firmly in the horror genre. It just has what you're saying, the uh, uh, gumption to push on the comedy gas yeah. a little bit. So, yeah. Yeah, because it, it, even Shaun of the Dead has some kind of, like, I was watching it, I'm a little scared uh-huh. at times. Not really, because I know it's a comedy, but there are moments, Specifically, like they, that, they build the tension. Yeah. yeah, that shot where he's out, like, trying to fix the breakers, and he turns on the light, oh, and they're all yeah, against, yeah. against the wall, stuff like That's that. That's a really good, like, visual, scary thing, but it's also funny. But the way he way. plays it, yeah. exactly, is funny, yeah. So there's that very thin line, I get you. And I guess, like, uh, Agent Mulder... Oh, a, a hilarious character most yeah. of the time. Not all the time. I mean, he's the comedy. He's just such a, like, he, like he, he just uh, makes, he's an FBI agent. Get the hell out of here. Yeah. It's, it's even like, I think of Gravity Falls. It's this dichotomy, yeah. this duo of a believer and a non-believer so that you get both sides for the audience to key into. Yeah. Now, don't get me wrong. I find Twilight Zone X-Files extremely entertaining, not for comedy, but there are times when I'm just going, this is silly. So you don't believe in the occult? No, I, I... But you're fascinated by it. I, I, I am. I think it's been good. So I wrote um, a script with a friend a while back called The Cleaners, which was about... Um, uh, we, it was me and my friend. We both liked the show Supernatural a lot, mainly oh, yeah. in the early episodes. And uh, that's another one that's, you know, that's very cheesy. That's almost a comedy <laughs> itself. Yeah. Um, Some episodes especially. Oh, yeah. <laughs> But we like this, and I remember um, my friend saying something to the effect of, like, could you imagine if this was real? And I remember thinking, like, God, thank God it's not. <laughs> like, tougher life would be with, like, things we can't kill. and So like, many layers of, like, realities yeah. and dimensions. And I thought like that. And that kind of turned into this idea, like, well, what if we had... This thing I liked about Supernatural, it's always based on, like, real folklore. Mm-hmm. So me and my friends started researching, like, you know, all these cool things, like... Um, Like the Loch Ness Monster or Bigfoot? No, more like uh, specific like ethnic folklore. Oh, like Baba Yaga. Yeah, exactly. We looked into some of those and we were like Irish folklore, um, you know, mysterious sites and things. And we we figured, you know, we could have – so we kind of came up with an occult – Something less, a very less scientific. It was like a funny supernatural is basically what we came up with. And we wrote a pilot that was a second rounder in Austin Film Festival. Oh, great. What was that called? That was called The Cleaners. The Cleaners. By uh, me and my friend Phil Risden. Uh, no, I, I'm, we're both very proud of that one. And, um, you know, hopefully it'll see the light of day. Yeah, I'd like to see day. that, honestly. It, it uh, really was a fun uh, fun thing to write. And we set up a very fun. It was basically um, a f- the, the main character is a folklore major, um, and he teams up with an extremely elderly folklore professor and a uh, campus police officer to start fighting uh, evil in Manhattan. Okay. And they're part of this uh, super old... uh, you know, like a cabal of... Getting some Hellboy vibes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So... You don't believe in the occult, but you're interested enough. So when you're writing this, wherein the characters are experiencing the actual occult, you're looking at it from an arm's length, like uh, almost uh, it, it, analytical. A, yeah, it's a little hard to say. Like, how would we really react if we came across something that defies linear logic? 
That's hard to say because no one ever does, well, at least in my opinion. Like from my perspective, and I've gotten in a lot of arguments with my fiance about this, is like the unknowable, that there's no way of knowing what's at the bottom of the Marianas Trench yeah. at this point in time. So why not imagine that there's some kind of giant Cthulhu monster yeah, at the bottom? There totally could be. Or aliens. Just statistically, yeah. it doesn't make sense for us to completely erase the fa- No, and I agree. But like if we were to like say like yes, ghosts are real, there would be some sort of scientific explanation for how a ghost would function. Oh, yeah. So I think like Not to mention the existential dread that yeah, people would feel. That would be uh, amazing. But, you know, I guess I understand with like the whole ghost hunters thing i don't want death to be the to be the end either but, but. that that is interesting have, has there been a movie where it's like oh okay everybody we confirmed ghosts are real go deal with that in your own way <laughs> I, I i haven't seen this movie but i've heard of a movie called the discovery where uh the afterlife has been scientifically proven oh, cool. and society is collapsing because like everyone just starts killing exactly themselves. yeah oh really or, great idea i haven't seen it it that, might be on netflix they, they, they discover that they don't that suicide doesn't send you to any hell. There is no hell. I, I it's think just it's paradise. More that there just is an afterlife. I, I'm not sure. I, I've only heard about this movie through Red Letter Media. Okay. Okay. But, um, cool. So now shifting over to the movie today, The Ninth Gate. What's your relationship with okay, this? Okay. So why did you do this to me? <laughs> this, this, this weirdly because it's one of those movies for me that is not really good, <laughs> possibly at all. But like I, I'm kind of like always uh, entertained when I watch it. It's it's definitely a watchable movie. Oh yeah. But it's reliant on people acting like idiots. Yes. It's reliant on <laughs> just very confused. I think the the biggest thing in this is that there's a lot of stuff that's just not explained that irritates me. Yeah, especially at the end. Yeah, it, it's just like a big middle finger to me having yeah. watched the yes, whole I, I, thing. Yes, I felt that way too. Yeah. But I really, I, I would be lying if I said I didn't enjoy kind of what leads up to it. And I guess I was a little reluctant on this because I'm not really sure if we can even call it a horror movie. I, it doesn't, because it's more like hinting maybe occult stuff is going on, but maybe not. Um, it's more like a thriller. I, I guess so, but it very much deals in uh, the, the occult. Yeah. It, if you watch the trailer, it looks like a horror movie. Well, that's why I'm really glad you brought it up because I wanted to talk about this. What, what would it take to make this a horror movie? What's the difference between a horror horror yeah. movie and a kind of horror movie? I guess to you, to me, to make it clearly a horror movie instead of kind of a gray area, which which this is. I would say, okay, Johnny Depp's character, instead of being like a crooked book dealer, one thing I love about this movie is that like it makes the rare book dealing look like, oh, it's this cutthroat yeah. environment. The but, underground, yeah, this, like, skeevy sleazy world. Sleazy book dealers, <laughs> sleazy Johnny Depp. You High know, risk like, world. Yeah, of like, it was like, nah, okay. <laughs> Glamorous life. Um, I, I think what we would have to do is like Johnny Depp is some sort of occult investigator don't make him a book dealer he's someone who very much believes in the occult that way we can that way we can That's set up yeah I, <laughs> I hit my microphone except that way we can set up um kind of right away that yes this is happening and then we can have you know overtly occult and spooky things happen 
because a lot of it is just kind of gray area yeah, stuff. That's that's what I agree with too. That if they're instead of just seeing the girl and the bodyguard a couple times, yeah. if he was actually seeing like visions or monsters and stuff, there's literally just the scaffolding that falls and then nothing else. It's very confusing. There, there are a few. Th- there's one point where um, I guess the actress name is Emmanuel Center. The um the the girl yes um, and I hate we'll get to that but <laughs> well <laughs> there are points no where name. she's quite clearly floating <laughs> yes. like she did and like no one seems to notice she did, like not like like she's going from a higher place to a lower place in the sen and in the uh the uh, in the like cult room yeah the cult room where they're gonna have an orgy yeah she just sort of like glides down. <sighs> And like, and she's also like super strong. Yeah, she does and that Chun Li kick. Yeah, she she beats up this um the, the bodyguard Lena Olin's like thug. Yeah, and no one thinks anything's weird. Who has no it. name? Yeah, just he's no name. Well, the girl is just the girl. Yeah, in exactly. The, um, entries that I've read about, she doesn't have a name either. And she might be a shapeshifter. <laughs> she, That's the problem. Two- all of these questions. Yeah. So what? I, all it needed, in my opinion, is one or two yeah. visions of an actual yeah. like monster or a weird thing or a face in the clouds. I don't know something that would make this seem like oh, being near the book is a problem. I shouldn't even be near this. Yeah. But um, yeah. So for anyone who hasn't seen the movie, uh, the Ninth Gate is directed and produced and co-written by. Roman Polanski, yeah, unfortunately. Very, very problematic character. These. Yeah, so that's another issue that I don't know if we'll belabor, but um, rewarding somebody, you know, well after. it's it's. So for anyone who doesn't know Roman Polanski, I put together a brief hif- oh, history please. of Roman Polanski. So in 1977, Polanski was arrested and charged with drugging and raping a 13-year-old yeah. girl. He subsequently pled guilty to the lesser offense of unlawful sex with a minor, and then fled to Paris yeah. in 1977 after learning that the judge was going to put him in prison. So from 1977, 11 years later, 1988, the victim sues Polanski. Yeah. And uh, among other things, sexual assault, false imprisonment, seduction of a minor, all that stuff. But it isn't until 1993 that Polanski agrees to settle with his victim. And the settlement is finally completed in 1997. But it didn't take so so from 1977 to 1997. God, how that's two, 20, 20 years, 20 years, yeah. 20 years for him to finally uh, uh, make amends for this in some way, which, in my opinion, you can never do. No. I, and so in 2015, Poland's National Justice Ministry took up an appeal by the United States to extradite Polanski. 2015, the United States still wants to co- uh, yeah, convict him for that. But uh, Poland at the time. Uh, said no. In December of 2016, the Supreme Court of Poland dismissed the government's appeal, saying that that's unlawful. We're not going to extradite one of our own. So uh, on May 3rd, 2018, Polanski was removed from the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences with the decision referencing this case. So obviously there are two sides of this equation. Poland feels one way. The victim feels one way. I feel one way. Yeah, sure. How do you feel? Well, I think he should be in jail. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty obvious i mean it's really bad i kind of um you know growing up we would roman polanski we it was a running joke it was a running joke but it wasn't something that was often spoken about you know people would really focus on his film things i i don't think i was very aware of the sexual assault charges until you know long after i knew about roman polanski's movies um, you know, I remember seeing the pian- the pianist, um, things like that, thinking it was good, you know, and, uh, just 
there were just kind of whispers. Well, that's this. the thing is and, it's a very different world yeah. than 77 or even 97 sure. or even 2008. It is a very different world. We just had, well, not just, but, you know, the Me Too movement times yeah. up and all of that. So in a world where we are not rewarding Kevin Spacey or or I guess we are rewarding Louis C.K., he's just kind of pivoted to be a yeah, right-wing monster. There, there, there seems to be space for these people. Yeah, so we, we're picking and choosing like, oh, they're a monster. They can't, they're canceled. Oh, they messed up, but we're going to let them work. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> work Sorry. some more. So it's it's really frustrating to me because this happened listeners that all happened in 1977 to 1997 yeah. but this movie came out in 1999 Johnny Depp still wanted to work with yeah. him a lot of people did yeah. I mean he wasn't considered an outcast he was a lot of people like oh he's exiled and people were saying like well you know this was uh, some people were saying the victim lied about this this mm. was a uh, judicial malfeasance blah 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 uh, now we're kind of done with that, uh, I, I would hope. And it's clear that this is not a good dude. He's in, uh, w- I think, the third Rush Hour. Roman Polanski <laughs> loves the Rush Hour movies, Uh-oh. and he shows up. He, he makes a cameo in the third one, and it's... It, then I was, like, aware of that. I'm like, this is weird. Yeah. And he's, it's like, like, a Woody goofy character. Yeah. It, it's the same thing, where everyone knows what a terrible person yeah. he is, and we're like, well, he's a good enough artist yeah. that we can forgive that. And they, they act in these ways that it's like, oh, you know, I'm just going to kind of keep on going on. You know, I'm in exile, but, you know, people still love me. Yeah, I'm still going to make million-dollar yeah. movies. People are still going to buy them worldwide. Yeah, it's just weird. Yeah. I mean, so with all of that in mind, unfortunately, to see this movie, I had to rent it. And I can okay, only pray <laughs> that that he didn't see that money, because the problem is that there are thousands of people that worked on this movie yeah. that are not Roman Polanski. Yes, and so to, to discount an entire body of work because the creator was a monster is, is discounting all of the like gaffers yeah, and th- best this boys. This was based on a novel. Yeah, that too. Um, two screenwriters. Um, <laughs> yeah, he, he, he directed it uh but you know that but, you know it is his movie obviously yeah. yeah so i'll give a brief timeline of how the movie came out you just mentioned that it is an adaptation of the spanish novel el club dumas the club <laughs> dumas by arturo perez revert roman polanski read the screenplay by enrique urbizu uh based on the i guess it must be on leak uh based yeah. on the el club dumas and he was impressed with the script he read the novel afterwards and he decided to write an adaptation of it with his usual partner john brown john who I've never heard of. So yeah. Polanski pictured Johnny Depp as Dean Corso when he was writing it, and so Johnny Depp joined as early as 1997. Oh, there's that year yeah. again. <laughs> Interesting. Anyway, he wanted an older actor, but Depp persisted because he really wanted to work with Roman Polanski for some reason. Yeah. Because it would elevate his career. And I'm sure it did. I'm I mean, sure it did. Yeah. So filmed on location in France, Portugal, and Spain in the summer of 1998, this movie uh, released on... Oh, no, I forgot to write it down. I don't have it in my notes. Oh, oh well, it released. and in 99. Yeah, and it recouped, its, uh, it recouped its budget, and it did very well. So let's get into my first segment here called What the Hell Just Happened? <laughs> Where we can go not beat by beat, but just like what we were doing before, going through the movie and talking about just like moments that are oh, super God. crazy. So yeah, I, as I, quick I, as I can, the movie stars Johnny Depp. Oh, yeah, let's go through I, the cast really quick. Yeah. 
So the movie stars Johnny Depp, Lena Olin, yep. Frank Langella, Emmanuel Seiner, as we said, James Russo, Jack Taylor, and Barbara Jefford. There's a couple of other smaller yeah, characters sure. like Andrew Telfer, who's only in the beginning and stuff. But um, the movie follows Dean Corso, who, as we mentioned before, is a, uh, for a lack of a better word, book dealer. He's like a book authenticator and yeah. appraiser and uh, historian. Yeah. Uh, somebody calls him a book detective later. So uh, that's who our main character is, Dean Corso. And he's hired by this man, Balkin. Yes, who's played that's by Frank Langella. Who's yeah. amazing. He's the, That's a very good performance. Uh, Frank Langella is great in this possibly the best part of the movie i think so yeah, yeah. next to uh um lena olin who yeah, plays uh uh telfer she's I, I think she's great in this unfortunately her agency is relegated to seducing everyone she meets yeah she's um you know a temptress a satanic temptress yes, yes. but it's fun that like at first i was like oh she has money and resources why is her first attempt to sleep with this guy yeah but they kind of explain it in that that's what she did with telfer when right. her estate was ruined she married a rich guy and fixed up she her sleeps with Johnny Depp and then like starts scratching <laughs> him just like ah, this, it's a great scene yeah so uh, just... getting ahead of ourselves so he's uh, Johnny Depp is working for Balkan played right. by Frank Langella and the job is uh, Balkan has this book called the nine gates of the kingdom of shadows right. uh, by an art an author named Aristide Torchia I'm gonna call him AT for reasons that'll become uh, obvious in a little bit yeah. who was burned by the Holy Inquisition for writing a book Based on a book a no that was no longer existing book called the uh, Della Melanicon that's supposed to have been written by Satan himself. Yes. And this book that was based on this book that was written by Satan <laughs> contains with it some secret puzzle that when solved is supposed to summon the devil. Right. So, so that's about it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And the reason that Frank Langella hires Johnny Depp. He's like, well, I think my book is busted. That's and he the basically thing. says like, oh, because the, what do you mean? The devil doesn't show up? And yeah. Frank Langella's like, mm, but obviously that's why. <laughs> I love Johnny Depp is basically mocking him the yeah. whole time. And Frank Langella's too oh, yeah. rich yeah, to yeah, care. Yeah, he falls asleep during his lecture or something. <laughs> yeah. So um, we, we saw the girl in the lecture right. the, for the first time. It's not really important. What's important is that um, Balkan has one copy of this evil book, The Nine Gates. But there are three copies in existence. And so the job is Balkan wants Corso to go around the world to compare his copy to these two others to see which is real and which is fake. So we get our mission. He's going to go to Spain, Portugal, and France to visit all these super rich people to see if their uh, books match or not. And that's where this becomes really a film noir movie. Yeah, and it's more mystery. Uh, he goes, oh, where's he? he goes First he to goes to Telfer. He goes to Liana to ask. Oh, yeah, and, and says like, hey, I got your book. What do you think of it? She's like, oh, I didn't know it was sold. Yeah, because her <laughs> husband. Right, thank you. Yeah, because the opening scene is her husband, Andrew, writing a suicide note and then hanging himself, yeah. killing himself. Why? I, horrible opening scene. I, I mean, it, it, like, I guess it's a hook, but it has almost nothing to do with the actual plot. It's like, oh, this guy killed himself. We could have just said that he killed himself. I mean, the way that the book, uh, the way that the movie sets itself up in this first act, it implies that the book is somehow evil, and yes. that being around it brings death. Right. There, there are a few. I don't know because they only do it with the scaffolding yeah. thing where where he says like okay so there so he goes to uh, Spain after to, to New York I mean I guess there are two things I want to talk about before that so he goes like he has his buddy stash his book who gets murdered yeah so we've got Bernie played by James Russo right. as a friend of his he's been like bludgeoned and he's hanging upside down by one leg in a 
similar to an etching in the book. Yeah, so uh, Corso got scared about keeping this book on him after Liana slept with yeah. him and then scratched his face up and bonked him on the yeah, head. The liquor bottle, yeah. Which is the first of three bonkings on oh, his yeah, head, he, but it becomes sure. it becomes a tiresome plot yeah, device by the end. CT. So sure. he so he calls Bernie and he gives him the book to keep it for safekeeping, but Bernie gets killed. Yeah, so what does Johnny Depp do? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> uh, this is the whole thing. Like, he calls his uh, benefactor he, he and says, like, I quit. Hey, I don't like this. He's like, no, you, you're not quitting. Oh, okay. And then, like, what, did you not want to miss his plane? Okay. <laughs> yeah, seriously, that, that first pushback is so frustrating because it totally makes sense for his character, but he gives up just, instantly. Yeah, he gives up, but like, just like, you know, called the cops... There's like there there's almost no movie if you just call the police because a lot of the antagonists as you find out later it's Lena Olin stalking him trying to hurt him kind of be like okay it's probably Lena Olin who stole who like killed this person or her bodyguard you call the cops she's out of the picture right and then nothing really happens so in the movie so that's when he flies to Spain right and that's where we meet the Siniza twins right which is the weirdest oh my god pair yeah. of characters so, so they're they're twins and he's they're going and they're. I, I kind of like them that they're 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 so odd, but they just it, like I don't like they stand out like a sore thumb. Yeah, they're, they're like um, the, these very cartoonish twins yeah. who were like they repeat after each other, like excellent book, yes, excellent book, yeah. so authentic, very authentic, uh, things like that. They're the same person. Yeah, and when I was watching it, I couldn't tell. I was like, is that the same dude? Yeah, I didn't really. Yeah, notice it that was until recently. I don't know what that adds. I. <laughs> Oh no! Yeah, it's like oh, we got someone doubling roles. This it was like, it was the assist. It was we the got CGI AD. in this. Oh, it was, was the it? AD oh, slash uh, production manager. Yeah, and he didn't want to do it, but Roman Polanski was like, "No, no, no! This will be great. I want to practice this style of yeah. filming somebody." So yeah, and um, <laughs> I, I uh, so the, the 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 best part is like the guy picks up the book, and I guess this is another important thing. It's like so in this. You talking about super, how they handle the books? The book is from like sixteen forty seven. And it's treated like a literal football. <laughs> like, so D- Johnny Depp is, like, carrying it around his backpack the whole time. Um, I-, I think generally when you handle books, you, you wear gloves. Right? So you're, oh, he doesn't do that. He blows smoke on the he book a lot. He's smoking on it. Like- and then, like, the other, so they take it to the, the twins, and one of them, like, <laughs> ashes right on the book and just brushes it off. And they're like, oh, you know. That, sorry about that. Sorry. And, like, yeah, <laughs> I mean, it doesn't matter. Johnny Depp's been, like, you know just keeping this behind his toilet almost. That's the thing, is like, to me, the layman who's watching this movie, if there's one thing I know about precious, expensive yeah. things, is that you treat them with care. Yeah. And he <laughs> but he's does, like breaking the spine and putting it like flat on the yeah, table. Yeah, he's like doing this. He's just like carrying it around the whole time. It's so odd. And when he puts it on like the photocopier and he has to like break the spine oh, some yeah. more, I'm like, oh my God, what are this you doing? This is not a good idea. And then he does that. So he goes there and basically says, oh no, it wasn't Mr. Telfler who won the book. It was Liana, the the crazy woman yeah all right and so what we learn is that they actually the Sinisa twins had the book for yes, a they, number of years and so they can tell that this is not a forgery right, they, they were the original owners they know it's a for they there is this fits a forgery it's the work of an unbelievable master and look at this etching uh-huh exactly and, and here we learn about that lcf and eight <laughs> lcf oh i love my. this lucy fur <laughs> <laughs> um yeah on uh, the engravings in the book i love this this movie is about a book and they found the one visual element of a book it has nothing to do with the See, text that's the most annoying part what is the book about we don't know it's only about these etchings that we also don't know what that they're are basically about. like tarot cards they're tarot card- they have no real explanation there's only one thing is like oh well they 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 go over it briefly we're like well you know sometimes these books like the etchings are like telling a riddle like he says quote these types of books often contain little puzzles 
What? I'm like, okay. What types of books? What type of <laughs> book these, is this? Yeah, I've never heard of Venetian like puzzle books where it's like a novel and then there's some pictures and you just figure out something that has nothing to do with the book. There's some cute little. It's like it's like the Mad Foldins. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, so that, but like they specifically go into the etching, like, oh, this one means you know, to venture too far, danger could come from above. Yeah. And then obviously Johnny Depp leave and some scaffolding almost kills him. Yeah, which is uh, the first of what I thought was going to be many more, like, nebulous how, uh uh-oh, death is following him. Yeah. But it doesn't. It doesn't really. In the ways that death follows him, it's his own, like, mistakes. Okay, so we get to that, and then I think... Then he flies, uh, or no, then he takes a train ride to Portugal, Portugal, and that's where he actually speaks to the girl for the first time. And he suspects that she's a spy of Balkan, so Which, he's kind of flirting. Fa- yeah, to be fair, that's a fairly reasonable assumption. We saw him her at the um, the, uh, the 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 lecture. Mm-hmm. We saw her at the library. Mm-hmm. So the fact that she's a lecturer me- makes a connection. And like, I'm like, okay, I'm okay. I would make that assumption. Of course, he does nothing to like follow up on this or like really say like, hey. What's your name? He kind of He never asked his name her name. <laughs> he asks what her name is and she says guess and he goes green eyes and she's like that's good enough. Oh she's <laughs> so weird but it's one of those things where it's like uh, in a movie if you're super duper hot you can act like a crazy person yeah, and, and she people, does completely. And people will still treat you normal. Yeah. Um, um so they flirt in a really weird way uh and he's taking a train to Portugal cuz he's going to meet Victor Fargas, the other person who owns a copy of this book. Uh, and he won't sell it. No, at he won't sell it. And he, he's a. Um, I kind of like him as a character because he's pretty normal, uh-huh. which is not. His house big. is so empty, he's though. Got this big, it, it, well, they mentioned, so he gets there and he says, oh, oh, the Fargus collection. It's just on the floor. Yeah. He says, oh, not These are the survivors. Yeah, he's some sort of. Um, from a rich family that's on hard times because he says something like, you know, they're like oh. ancient civilizations. They wither and die. He, he's saying this over Brandy, but he plays the, the violin the whole time. That makes sense. Uh, and, uh, you know, they say like, oh, and I think this is initially cause he says, I need to look over this. And that's where we start to see that certain etchings are different in the Yeah. Books. So in the book, in each book, there are nine engravings, but in each book, only three of the nine say LCF. All the others say AT, yeah. which implies that, uh, Satan is making etching. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's like, it doesn't even beat around the bush with that. Like, this is what happened. Like, that he okay. designed this etching, yeah. you know, inked it and then printed it on this page. Uh, so I love what he says. He says, some books are dangerous not to be opened with impunity. And Johnny Depp's like, that's very true. What? (laughs) I'm just going to carry this one around. Some books are dangerous. These people, these are supposed to be educated people who own. Yeah. Anyway, um, I guess it makes sense because he's a part of the cult, like reluctantly. Yeah. In a sense. I mean, like, I I like that character. Okay. So he, we then get, he almost gets hit by a car, right? Someone like, and then, uh, it's Liana's bodyguard. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. It's that. And then the the, the, the girl, girl shows up on a motorbike. But, <laughs> like, I don't think even, like, in that scene, I don't think reveals that it's her. I think no. they meet at the I hotel. thought it was a different person. Yeah, and she's, he says something like, oh, do you have a motorbike? She's like, I don't know, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> so then he calls Balkan and tells him that uh, Fargus won't sell it. And Balkan's like, did he say that now? Did he say that? Yeah, and so oh, they go wow. back, and sure enough, Fargus is dead. Another thing. So, we, so, so, so she, he gets to the house. The girl is already there. Mm. The girl shows up at his hotel room and says, I think you should go see oh, Fargus right, again. Right. So she knows somehow. And says like, oh, well. Which would make sense if she was an agent of Balkans. Yeah, exactly. And then she goes, uh, says like, oh, well, check this out. He, he's dead in a fountain. <laughs> With the coin. Should we. Um, call the police? Should, yeah, should we call the police? No, what we should do is break into his house. Climb up. <laughs> 
and steal and, and go in and find steal the book. Now the book, uh, a million dollar book. This it's it's burning in the fireplace. Most of it's gone. Um, and he grabs it and says, "Like, okay, we're going." And then they take they get on a plane together. This is the most frustrating that cut. Made no sense. The most frustrating cut where they are Who outside the- Fargus's house and they're saying like, um, "Oh, the book is burned." And then cut. They're we're both on a plane. <laughs> are you play- paying for this random no name woman's ticket, Johnny? Where does she get? Does she have an ID? No, no nothing. <laughs> okay, a, a passport to travel from Portugal to France, yeah. which is where they're going. And uh, then we get to customs, and she may turn into a small child. We're not sure. <laughs> that, that like, see this actually happens <laughs> and so we arrive at the kessler estate and right. so this is my favorite Another i love baroness great kessler. character there are some really good act performance and characters so baroness kessler she's this electric wheelchair bound arm well, missing arm, we don't know why but she's this like german woman who's who explains a lot of like okay so she gives us so much exposition yeah I love a lot it. of exposition she has this um strange secretary. <laughs> yeah. So um, we learn here that she saw the devil. She thinks she right. saw the devil at 15 years old, fell in love, and has dedicated her right. whole so she's life. she's got this huge library of uh, occult texts. Yeah. And so she says that um, there's a secret society that was created to perpetuate the memory and preserve the, the secrets of the book. The Order of the Silver Serpent. Yeah. They, so they, they meet we, and have an orgy every year. Can basically. we pause here, though? So yeah. so a, a book is uh, exists that you believe can summon the devil. So you want to preserve its secrets. Yeah. So you create a club yeah. to get lots of people to <laughs> preserve its memory why, why and not? its secrets. So, like, we got, you know, all these great secrets. But, you know, c- come by and, and participate in an orgy. <laughs> Tell your friends. Ha- yeah. It's like a lot of people show up. <laughs> Honestly, I like this because I feel like it's kind of Roman polanski pulling the curtain back on his own life where she says uh, it's a degenerated it's degenerated into a social club for bored millionaires yeah. and celebrities who use its meetings as an excuse to indulge their jaded sexual appetites and she's like my orgy days are over yeah <laughs> I bet like uh, Roman Polanski's like I know what that's like yeah yeah <laughs> so uh, she explains that uh, uh, Lena Olin's character Telfer was uh, part of this cult and they were originally reading from uh, Kessler's book but when Lena Olin uh, took Andrew Telfer, I keep switching between the actors and characters, yeah, but I can't I remember. Too. But when they got the original book, they didn't need Kessler's anymore. So she stopped going to those meetings. And so that's where she lays out that Lena Olin's character has been leading this cult, the Order of the Silver Serpent, uh, to basically just have sex parties at her big chateau. Yeah, she thinks it's important. Yeah. <laughs> and then he gets bonked on the head again. Right. Oh, no, whoa, 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 he actually, gets kicked yeah. out the first time. He's like, oh, you work for Balkan. That's right. Uh, get out of here. And then she's. And then he goes, okay, hang on. I, I got something for you. Look, these... Well, ex- actually, first, he goes to a cafe, and uh, he's stalked by the uh, bodyguard for a long time. Right. And then the bodyguard chases him. They get into a fight, and that's and when the girl floats down the stairs. Which I think is the first time we've seen her since Customs. She just... She floats very clearly. She's not like falling or walking she's very clearly floating no and gives this like kick to this bodyguard that like just flattens him and it's I like, like whatever it like caves his chest in yeah, or something there's like, a sound he effect has to leave so they go oh god and then they come back yeah so to his hotel and she just kind of <laughs> rubs some blood on his face in Weird. the in like the most what was the point of that, Roman? It's supposed to look like the Trinity, that I it's a guess. it's a trident oh, on her face, like, yeah, and it I'm matches like, the scratch on uh, Balkan's face that uh, Lena Olin's character gives. 
I'm not defending it. <laughs> I guess just, that's why. All right, whatever. It's so stupid. But, yeah. Okay, so he goes back the next day, and he's like, okay, wait till the secretary who freaks me out uh, is gone. And says like, oh, I thought it was like, no, no, no. We got these etchings. They're different. Okay, I'm convinced. Come in here. Uh, and, and uh, study my book study as my long book as, you, as want. you want. And then we just hear clunk, and he's out. And <laughs> We don't even see it. It's a oh, POV. No. Yeah, it's a POV. But we hear the clunk, and then yeah. see and then the camera falls into, into the, the table with the book. So he wakes up. Oh, I hate this. And this is one a scene that's like really weird because it's uh, Baroness Kessler is in her electric wheelchair, and it's like pushing against the wall and going back and forth, and he's just like. Hey, are you okay? And then we turn around and like she's been strangled. Her tongue is sticking her out. Her tongue is sticking out in such a comical way. I don't know if that's something that happens when you're strangled, but like that's the I guess the implication. Then her her wheelchair just zips across the room because he, he's like turned it around so and it's still on. It just goes into this burning room. <laughs> it's on fire. It's on fire. Um, so I love it. I love it. She dies with dignity. She's yeah, what a bumping great, into a curtain. Great death. Turns around with her tongue sticking out and then wheels into a fire. Yeah. Uh, so that so he leaves. No, again, no, no calling of the police. Another book the is burned. Third though. body. The third corpse in this. <laughs> we're not calling. It's amazing at this point. No one's like like just a police officer's like hey this guy he's coming like we should have figured like murder one by murder two somebody should have spoken to him and said you seem to be like connected to these dead people you're so right there should have been an extra plot with yeah. a detective following him and assuming that he's the one murdering that, these people that could have been good or maybe not I don't it would have stretched but, into but, three um, hours yeah <laughs> and then yeah this is not a short movie especially god the falling action at the end you think you're at the climax and it oh, just yeah. keeps happening yeah um so, so um anyway he sets her house on fire so he then he goes outside and like puts some water on his face and a great dane <laughs> is looking at him i'm assuming that's like the devil I was thinking it's another like uh, form of uh, the green-eyed girl. Oh, she turns into a little girl. She can turn into a, a great dog. dame. <laughs> and then he's just like, okay. And then I think that now we're at the point where this is where we get back to the hotel and the task that he gave the concierge, which I guess is a normal thing. Uh, uh, Corso goes to the hotel and he tells the concierge, "I'm being followed. Yeah. Can you see Find where these, these people, people are living?" Yeah. And so he does. They do establish that he has some sort of relationship with this guy you know he gives him a hundred bucks okay. I think he shows up in the beginning he's like hey and they say like oh we don't have any rooms but I'll make sure you know oh okay make sure. so it, it, he clearly knew this guy but in or any maybe case, with that's Balkan. still like a little uh, yeah like I would never go to a concierge and go hey here's some homework yeah <laughs> um so yeah they're hunting down Liana Telfer and to make a long story short with a cab and all of this nonsense they get to the Saint Martin Chateau right they they find well his book is stolen mm-hmm. that's right so he kept it in his room he, he kept it in his hotel room he, that's right he tells uh, Balkan hey, I love that phone call yeah it's like i need you to listen very carefully because because i felt it in my heart too where he's like um uh oh okay so with both books destroyed your job's done um i'm yeah. staying at the ritz you can pick up your check then <laughs> yeah. let's say half an hour okay here's the thing <laughs> so um yeah so he finds out and it's obviously uh lena olin's character yeah. um he, he, he faxes her that and then they got to go find, because uh, um, he finds them leaving, and they steal a Dodge Viper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then they, like, he's Beautiful just, red He's car. trying to get a taxi, 
And this, what like, is with the taxis? I don't know. They just don't stop. One almost runs him one over. One almost hits him <laughs> in a way that I was like, oh my God. <laughs> so one almost runs him over. She, uh, the, the green eyed girl just shows up like, hey, hey look, look what I got. I stole this red <laughs> I car. I got this great um, car. <laughs> uh, and they follow. They get lost. Um, and then it's about like, okay, well, they find out like there's, they're going to the city San Martin, which is uh, her ma- Lena Olin's maiden name. So obviously he's there at her chateau. They sneak in. Uh huh. They sneak into her room. They sneak into her room, and he just like busts in and is just like, "Yo, where is it? I'm pissed off." Then the bodyguard gets the drop on them. Yeah. She pulls out a gun. The bodyguard escorts them down to like the dungeon to kill she's like, them. No, don't kill them up here. You'll make a mess. Yeah. So, so he's just like, yeah. He go. suplexes the bodyguard. That's, and that's then a good scene. Him in the head. I, I kind of didn't know what was gonna happen. The first, and he does. So he, he flips the guy and just smashes his head in with like a brick. Uh, the green-eyed girl is, like, horny from this. She's just like, yeah, I didn't think you had it in you. I'm like, well, you know, it's a self-defense thing. Yeah. I think it was the right move. And then I guess there's no guards in this mansion because no, they sneak. So they go, they put on cloaks. Yeah. And see. he's going to retreat because Lena Olin, I think, is starting to read from the book. He's about to approach. Well, was that it? Was his plan to just walk up in front of everyone I and take it out of it her was, hands? actually. <laughs> I mean, th- there's so little planning in this. But, but then that plan is taken by a great... Entrance I love it. by Frank Langella it's such as a Vulcan like, just running in going Mambo Jumbo, Mambo <laughs> Jumbo. <laughs> this is Mambo Jumbo. You are all assholes and I hate you. <laughs> this is supposed to be a room of rich oligarchs yeah. and celebrities and they're all like, oh, who is this? We better listen. Like, oh, <laughs> like, you stupid ass. I'm the only one who can do this with the book. And then they don't help when he's killing yeah, so her. So he just like is like, I'm taking this book. He snatches it and strangles her with her necklace. And there's like, everyone's just standing there like, oh. Ah, and there's one person who clearly tries to run up, but others, and another like, no, don't, like, no, yes, stop this, this crazy. I mean, they're both horrible people, but like, yeah. you know, I could just let this man murder this woman. Meanwhile, the girl floats down oh, again. And Johnny Depp is gonna help, and she says, no, don't. Yeah, he's just like, oh, okay. Which again <laughs> is like, is she an agent of Balkan? Yeah, because she doesn't want him to help. Well, I think at some point, like, he's like, well, you were working for Balkan. He's like, oh, I thought you were. All right, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and then, so, so this next takes off. So yeah. this next sequence I hate so much oh, yeah, this because is- he chases. So Balkan gets in a car and runs off with the, the, the book. And Corso gets in a car. Johnny Depp gets in a car and chases after him. And instead of just getting to the castle, there's, like, Four extra scenes. Yeah, he goes to like a cafe. He's like just drinking for a while. Now, I guess we have to point this out. When he's at Baroness Kessler's place, there's a postcard postcard of a castle that I guess Balkan has bought. And he says, I saw it first. That castle, it kind of took me a while, is is kind of shown in an etching or a similar It's in a painting behind Balkan. Yes, in his library. Yeah. I see that. So, so... This castle is important for reasons that are never explained. It's also in one of the etchings, I guess, or Uh, the engravings. Yeah, it's in an etching, yeah. Yeah. And so he has that, so... um, But, yeah, my frustration is, why couldn't he just get to the castle while following him? Why did we need all this extra time? Yeah, so we have this thing where, where, like, we go... There are some people playing, like, foosball. Yeah, in the (laughs) restaurant. restaurant. And And then then he's like, like, oh, hmm. Do you know this castle? And they're like, yeah. They know exactly. So they're like, yeah, okay. So So he hitchhikes his way to to, the end of the movie. Yeah, he hitchhikes his way to the end and gets there just a time and Balkan is assembling the nine assembling the etchings and like we have no idea what to like first of all it's never really explained okay why this well it's an etching well okay that doesn't mean it needs to happen there there's no explanation of why that is no so so far and then he never explains 
like the nature of the etchings. He kind what of do like, you, what do you get? The devil's supposed to show up. You're well, right. There's so you all these questions. The etchings and then what? But he seems to know what he's like. Oh, it means this, this, and this. Yeah. And I'm going to surrender myself to the devil. But Johnny Depp's like, no, I want to do it. And they fight like, for one second. One second. Johnny Depp falls <laughs> in the floor and he's stuck just in a hole. Stuck oh, in I there. think you mean Johnny Depp's stunt double falls yeah. in a hole. That shot is <laughs> <Yeah>. so bad. <laughs> So he's st- and then um, the guy's just like I lighting this ring yeah. of fire around me. I we guess get that's another, something you're supposed to do. That we get another POV from Johnny Depp's character where uh, Frank Langella is pouring gasoline yeah. in a circle because why not? It's just like oh, it's spooky. <laughs> we'll, we'll do that. There, there's no like that's the thing. It never explains the nature of this um, ritual, how you're supposed to make it work, why it needs to be in this castle, what you're supposed to get. But long story short, it doesn't work. It does not work. In a work. hilarious scene. Where he thinks it's working. He's like, and he's oh, like, I'm, I'm, I don't feel fire, huh? <laughs> Johnny Depp's like, great, show like, us another. Im- uh, yeah, that's great. <laughs> and so he self-immolates. He immolates himself. And he seems like, like okay for like a little bit until the flames get to his shoulders. Then he's like, oh, no. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. So it's interesting. I think that's what happens to your body is that when you are on fire, your nerve endings burn. Oh, so it becomes nerve. that you become numb yeah. uh, from, from the flames. So yeah, once it gets to a point like on his face, it's obvious that, uh-oh, this is not working. Yeah. And, and then so, he's just like, raw, like, ah. Uh, and then- Johnny uh, Depp puts him out of his misery. Johnny Depp uh, shoots him in the head, decides to put him out of his misery. Eh, I'm not sure from a legal standpoint if this is the smartest thing to do. But again, there's no police in this universe. <laughs> okay, so so he- And then the girl just shows, shows up. up. And they have sex in front of a burning castle. Oh my God, I hate Johnny Depp's O-face. So, so we see them, because like the thing, like so they're just like banging. Uh, she's on top of him, just riding him. And like- it starts to seem like her face is kind of becoming like monsterish, but not and he, really. And he's like, you can see he's like, kind of looking like, like it's weird. And like, I'm just saying, like, but the power of boner but, is but, too yeah, strong. Yeah, somehow he finishes. <laughs> and then another frustrating cut. They're just They're driving, just driving home. in a car, and he says, like, okay, why didn't this work? And he says, uh, the, the ninth the engraving ninth was, engrave a forgery. was a forgery. And then she's just gone. Uh, no, so they're at a gas station, and she leaves him a note for the uh, bookstore in Spain that he already was at. It says, Ceniza. Yeah, and that's, so, so he goes back there, and no one's there. They're gone. The Ceniza the, brothers the are gone. The twins are gone, and like, they don't know, and the, just two guys who don't really speak English. And then uh, the, the big reveal is they're moving a bookshelf. And a CGI page a falls CGI down. A <laughs> CGI page falls from the top of it. It's covered in dust, and it's the ninth etching, and it kind of looks like the green-eyed girl. Not really. Though. Not really. <laughs> it's, it's supposed to be that. And then he just uh, shows up at the castle, big light, the door's open, he walks through, and that's it. And that's the end of the, the most freaking movie. Satisfying ending ever. It's so freaking frustrating. So, God, so that's what happened. My my second segment that I usually <laughs> do, where I ask a million questions about this stupid movie, I call Mystery LLC. My first question, obviously, at the top of mind is, what happens? Yeah, does he summon the devil? I guess that's. It. But then what? <laughs> so what's we don't really get much of a payoff. Like, so you summon the devil. You and get to you're live powerful, forever? you go to hell and live with the devil. I don't know. But like the, the, the 
there seem to be enough people who are like in love with the devil who just don't care. It could be really bad, but like at least you get to chill with Satan. It's so frustrating because so they give you, there's so many opportunities to explain what should don't. happen. Well, and just, they, just the nature of this thing. Yeah. And they just don't, there's just so little exposition when there needs to be more. Yeah. So did he meet Satan at the end? Did he like, I, I'm curious what your head cannon is when he I, walks into the gates. I kind of just stopped. Caring. <laughs> like, like, Maybe that's for the best. Whatever. He, he met the devil and he, wh- maybe he becomes the world's most powerful crooked book dealer. That's because that's because he's a guy, he's has like such um, worldly wants in the beginning of the movie. It's all about the paycheck. And then, like, we get this big shift after uh, Lena Olin is killed. Like, yeah, I want that devil shit now. <laughs> And you're like, eh, all right. Well, I don't buy that he cares about this shit until the last nine minutes of the movie where he goes, so where's that last page? I want it. Yeah. And it's like, oh, his his wants have shifted now to everyone else's, but I don't care anymore. Yeah, now it's like, okay, because what do you get? We don't know. And the Sinisa brother, the twins, the the way that they're gone is so frustrating, too, because I feel like the movie doesn't know if it wants to go. Did they ever exist? Because their name's still on the door. Yeah, because I was kind of wondering, are these guys supposed to be like divine, maybe angel characters? Mm -hmm. I thought they might be the the um, foil to Satan, some sort of like priest or something like that. And so but they're just gone. Yeah, that leads into my second (laughs) question. What he's a second assistant director. He just quit. (laughs) Uh, That leads to my second question with who the hell is Emmanuel Siner's character supposed oh to be? God. I guess the girl. I, okay, I, I don't know too much about this, but like in the ninth etching, the woman is riding a like beast, a, the seven-headed beast. Yeah, and is that I think the whore of Babylon mentioned in Revelations rides a seven-headed beast, so maybe she's I did see that. One sec, sorry. Computer fell asleep. Oh. I don't want that to happen. Um, Sorry, guys. So I I I think she's supposed to be... I don't think she's supposed to be the literal devil. She's just some sort of demon, I guess. Okay. Or I don't know if the Whore of Babylon can do things or that. That's But, like, she's some sort of person who wants the devil summoned. Or maybe she is the devil. I don't know. <laughs> there's, there's no... That's the thing, is that, that it could be the devil yeah. is so frustrating that we don't know what. So, like, in the beginning, I thought she was an angel oh, who was, yeah. like, watching over him. But then I realized, oh, wait, no. What she's doing is enabling him to yeah. do the things to summon the devil. So she must be on yeah. the devil's side. Maybe. And so that's when I thought, oh, the uh, bodyguard with the white hair is an angel. Oh, maybe, yeah. But a- angels aren't really cool with murder. And everyone seems to be in this There's, there's <laughs> literally... I, I kept thinking that there was going to be some level of like, oh, there's there's other divine beings trying to make sure this does or doesn't happen. And I guess maybe there is. I don't know if she's the devil or not. I guess my interpretation is that she was like an envoy of the devil of yeah. something to make sure that it happened. I mean, if we need a whole you know, obstacle course to summon the devil and she's just there, then no, I guess she's not the devil. She's some sort of... She's his bodyguard to keep him safe from the movie. You know, a demon who, you know, maybe it's a possessed woman. That would be interesting. Yeah. Uh, uh. So anyway, um, when Corso goes to Spain and the Sinisa brothers dismiss the possibility of Balkan's book being a fake and the book turns out to be legitimate but a single page has been replaced with a fake to throw off anyone trying to decipher the puzzle... To save them? I was wondering if they did that deliberately. I, I, I'm assuming that they did. 
to, that, to that save they, anyone yeah, who so was that trying you to can actually summon the devil. But the opposite happened that when yeah, a dude tried to summon him. the devil, he actually did cause himself harm. Yeah. So he didn't save anybody. Well, I guess know, he saved maybe, the universe. Yeah. Maybe summoning the devil is much worse than, you know, one shitty book publisher. Time. But that ending looks so positive with the light and the way it opens. If yeah. It, do, it does have like kind of an angelic quality, but it, you know, it's, the light of Satan. So frustrating. <laughs> Satan can have light too, I guess. I don't know. Those were my big questions. Did you have any? Uh, oh, there's so. But like, um, <laughs> let me think. Like, aside from the fact that there's no calling of the police ever, does this? Can this woman shape shift? Because it's clear that the nature of the girl was extremely frustrating. Mm-hmm. We don't know who she is. She doesn't have a He's name. Just this person that Johnny Depp trusts implicitly for really like no reason because he's hot. I guess so. Yeah. And Johnny Depp gets laid twice in this movie for no oh, reason. Yeah. For no reason. For doing the, the, okay, the second one, there's at least a motivation <laughs> by Lena Olin. That we did it. I mean, no, the, the first, first one. one. The first one is there's a motivation. The second one is just like, oh, I guess it's over. Gotta have <laughs> drum. Let's just like, we gotta have a sex scene. We have to reward the man. Yeah, he's gotta have sex. <laughs> I wanna see it. <laughs> Jeez, yeah. Um, so anyway, I'll move on to my next segment, which is screaming themes. When we talk about some of the major themes in this movie, uh, the biggest one, of course, being the devil sure. and the deal with the devil. And so traditionally in a story, a deal with the devil refers to a high reward in exchange for an eternal price. Uh, and that's li- a literal deal with the devil. Right. A figurative deal with the devil is, you know, making a, a, an agreement with somebody that you know is going to turn out or could turn out really bad. Sure. So in this case, the high reward seems to be maybe invulnerability is what he seems uh, yeah, to think. Yeah, I mean, give him. well, that gets back to like, what is the reward for completing this weird etching thing? We, but that's, we don't really get into it. So, so the reward might be invulnerability, but we maybe don't really get immortality. To the, I guess something of that nature. Uh, supernatural powers, but then what's the the what's the, the price? price? What's the there's no soul. There's no all yeah. you have to do is um, is assemble nine pieces of paper and say a sentence. I mean, I guess for like in the same Balkan is clearly like I'm gonna do this. I'm just gonna kill people to get this like a lot. And but they never really establish him as yeah. mad with no. like this kind of uh, want for power. No, he's just kind of this super intuit Satanist who clearly doesn't have issue murdering people. We see at the end, because you're kind of unsure. Has he it seems been? that Fargus and uh, the Baroness were probably murdered. Because Johnny Depp says something like, I think you're like breathing down my neck. He's yeah. like, yeah, you know, got to protect my investment. Like, and the fact so that he's, he's at the Ritz. following him in some way. Yeah, yeah, 30 minutes away, then he's yeah. obviously following him. I mean, he bursts into this, the chateau. So, yeah, he's yeah, like. Yeah, so you have that theme of this like you know it's just not well thought out as far as what what do we get what's the cost Eh, yeah it's just kind of a whatever and traditionally a deal with the devil is a negative thing that no hero character would ever actually gain something from it's a cautionary thing but corso achieves it and it's a good thing i guess he makes the deal with the devil and he wins wins something we don't don't know know. yeah and also for all we know it's possible he dies the same way boris balkan does (laughs) for all we know yeah Yeah. um and then maybe the the girl shows up and eats him yeah but (laughs) i love that in this movie the devil is real and he's an illustrator (laughs) yeah no he writes books Uh, he's an artist yeah he's a creative etchings we never see him but he's got lots of interest (laughs) yeah i guess it makes sense that the devil would be a tortured artist (laughs) um so there's the other thing that i mentioned that this movie is essentially a detective film noir 
Yeah, and I guess, like, for me, like, because it's not a good movie. I am entertained <laughs> when I watch it. it. It's got kind of a Lovecraftian quality in the, as much as it's like a book. It has secret knowledge, and that's what I like in about In the Mouth it. of Madness vibes. Kind of, yeah. You know, we, we don't know what's going, you don't know what's going on, but there's, like, access to secret powers, you know, around us. Secret societies. Yeah, secret societies. So it has that. That's what I like about it, and then it just kind of screws it up. And then it doesn't do anything yeah. with that. The first act lays this groundwork, and even Kessler's, like... <laughs> monologue about yeah. the secret society elevates it but then it doesn't do anything with that it's it, it just needed a bit it, like the, that's where they really screw up is like let's do a detective thing yeah. that's not really horror but it could be just just let's just go with horror it would be so much more fun there's even the femme fatales yeah. and the getting yeah, knocked out and waking up in a daze like yeah very so a lot of like the old 40s film noir tropes yeah and yeah it just kind of doesn't work in a satisfying way that's the thing i think it's interesting when it's when an homage is mishandled like this because it just comes off as old and bad <laughs> yeah it's just weird it's just a weird f- movie and, I, and it fascinates me in that way and how <laughs> odd it is yeah um, so the last theme that I picked up is the theme of trinities. There's three books. Mm-hmm. There's three legit pages per book. There's three locations that we got to get to Spain, Portugal, and France. Yep. There's the three bloody marks on Corso's face and the three on Balkan's face. Adding nothing to the movie. No, nothing. It's about like a holy. Tri- well, I think um, it's just it's symbolism. Like an, it's an unholy trinity, which is something like that. And it's that would have been an interesting there. wrinkle. Yeah, we, we could have... Because um, it's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. It would have been the Devil, the Antichrist, and the Unholy Ghost. <laughs> yeah, no, there, there's something... I, I've watched a few ghost hunting shows where they talk about, like, oh, if you find, like, three scratches on you, that's, like, the Unholy Trinity, whatever that means. Oh, boy. <laughs> okay. And, uh, yeah, so... Uh, I, it's just another thing that they kind of did something with and then kind of screwed up. Sure. Which so, happens a lot. <laughs> so before I get to my last segment, this is just kind of like a free thinking thoughts. If you uh, think of anything that uh, you want to mention uh, before we wrap up here, but Corso drinks and smokes constantly through the movie. Yeah. I and think- I thought they were going to play on that. Like on, Oh, look, look how many vices this guy yeah. has. Cause now, he- no, he's not a good guy. I think, like, the smoking imagery was to allude to film noir movies. Oh. Maybe the drinking a little bit. Yeah, he's not a healthy guy. No, and yet he's thin, and he looks right. like Johnny he, Depp. He looks like Johnny Depp. He should be. Well, I guess because they, um, they uh, I guess, wanted to ca- uh, cast someone older, which yeah. I guess would have made more sense considering his habits. But, you know, yeah, he's just this drinking, smoking. And plus, if he's going to have sex with two women, you want yeah, him to be like, sexy. Like, okay looking. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, that's another, that's a part that they don't really go into, but like, I, I guess, um, one thing we didn't really talk about is not the opening scene, the scene, the credits, no flying through the gates. That I liked it. That was kind of cool. But it's when he swindles the, uh, I guess a brother and sister. Oh, the opening with the Don Quixote a uh invalid father who's like literally just drooling there and he's got this nice book collection and he's just like oh well this one's worth a lot this one's worth a lot this one eh, i'll give you like three thousand the oldest trick in the book yeah like this like clearly like these idiots are just like yeah let's do this let's not wait for a second opinion and you see dad is kind of like like clutching his blanket like this is not good and then we get one of the worst performances ever. Whitkin? Whitkin was was like, what what are you doing here? He's like, I'm just getting my money. Alan Garfield. He's like, unscrupulous. You are unscrupulous. unscrupulous. And it's so like weird. It doesn't like fit with the movie at all. (laughs) 
And then, yeah, that that was a weird. Yeah. Just so it's just a collection of strange, weird visuals and scenes. A lot of which don't make sense or or move the plot forward a lot of the time. No, it's unfortunate because, like, like I mentioned before, it's a shame that it's a movie about books, but yeah. it's more about the pictures in the books than the actual content. We never of the book. learn what is said in this book. Is it a which narrative? Is so frustrating. Yeah, because it's supposed to be the devil wrote it, so yeah. it must be. Interesting. Is there three act structure? <laughs> yeah. Is, is it about like secrets of the universe, a history of the devil? Yeah. Is uh, it an essay? And they just like, no, it's just something the devil wrote. It's it, clearly it, in it, Latin, which yeah. several of the characters speak, but no, there's nothing. <laughs> it's, just, it's just like uh, the devil, it's like his diary. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, it's really hot today. <laughs> <laughs> Dear diary. Dear you'll diary. never believe what Jason said today. Um, <laughs> so this is such a prick. I want to talk about take him somewhere else. I want to talk about the music. Music here. So the music is written by a Polish man whose name I will not attempt to pronounce, <laughs> but I hate it. I'm oh, okay. sorry. I hate the, especially the one that is used way too much. So someone didn't realize, someone never told this composer that woodwinds mean funny, not suspenseful. So I freaking hate the, the score where it's like, bum, bum, yeah, bum, yeah. bum, 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 yeah. bum, bum. <laughs> it sounds playful. It sounds silly. Yeah, it's kind of just bounces along. Yeah, but then you have the other floor where it's like flowing. It's like da 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 da, and it's um. I it's, like the one during- that's spooky. It, it yeah. works for that. But yeah, then there's a lot of Johnny Depp just walking around to bump bump. No, bum, the bum, the bum. it's the the most egregious one is when he finds Bernie's body hanging upside down. Oh, yeah. The score is great, and I'm like, oh my gosh, what's happening here? And then within the same shot, he scoots past his body, and the music switches to the bump. Bum, yeah. bum. And I was like, oh my oh, God, we're find, back. Yeah, we're, we're back. back in this like, yeah, it's a funny scene. <laughs> this is my, my friend who I just don't really care about, I guess. Any other thoughts? Oh, let me think. Sure. Because um, I had wrote, I, I like wrote down a lot of notes. With we've probably gone movie. over a lot too. Yeah, we've gone over a ton. Okay. Oh, Balkan's uh, secret code is 666. Yeah, so I'm just thinking like, damn, I should uh <laughs> It's pretty easy bucket. to like break into place. I thought, yeah, it's a devil worship. Yeah, he gives de- he gives um, his uh, lecture. I guess like kind of the thing. I thought that was an auction at first. I did too. The way it's set. but then it's like him and he just Johnny Depp just like checks out from that. <laughs> it is kind of weird because we don't get too much background on both. We know he's a book publisher and a successful one, and, and he's world renowned as like a collector. World renowned collector. But he's also like this weird Satanist who like is also like really like just a bad dude. What's with the three biggest book collections in the world also all being about the devil? Well, all the okay, coll- to be fair, the the, Please. the 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 Fargus one he says they're just books. But okay. he says like he says like here like he points to a point where he's like, okay, these are the occults. So okay. I guess the implication there is just rare books and many of them are occult. Um, I guess when Kessler, you have a collection, yeah. statistically, you'd have a one of everything. So yeah. here's the occult section. Here's the sewing section. Yeah, but the Baroness Kessler, her place was all occult, and same with Balkan. Balkan was like, yeah, all demons and. His is supposed to be the biggest. The, the biggest collection. One. Yeah. Oh, and another thing that the weirdest part of that, and this must have just been like a continuity error or something. So they have the um, this like glass vault where uh-huh. all the books are. Then he says like. Let me show you the most valuable one. It's not in the vault. <laughs> it's, it's just sitting there. <laughs> That's a really good point. That he's got like a, it's like a humidor almost, like this yeah, hermetically this, this, sealed this, vault. Like you need a code to get in. He's like, wow, look at all these. Like look, look, the most vault, 
valuable one. It's just sitting outside the vault on a on a podium. Yeah, yeah, with the air conditioning like or whatever. That, that felt like must have been like a mistake or something. <laughs> and I love that the movie. So uh, obviously Roman Polanski couldn't set foot in America. So yeah. the first half of the movie takes place in New York, but they just had to like re-edit yeah. the backgrounds and stuff and just put some fake yeah, backdrops to make it, it look it, like New York. There's some like late '90s CGI yeah. stuff that's pretty easy to pick up. It, it's you, like now it's better, but back then like I we were blown it. away by that back. Then oh the yeah, page but falling. like exactly the page in particular is the most like, like, yeah, like okay. it had to fall in an exact way. They just couldn't get it right. Yeah, and like, we'll get it in post. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so we've uh, made it to my last. Uh, well, yeah, it's a segment where we rate the movie on a oh, scale boy. of one to five thumbs. One being the worst and five being the best. Jeremy, what'd you think of the Ninth Gate? I I really like because I say like I am entertained by this movie, but it's not good. No, it I'm has, sorry. It's 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 a bad movie i think it's worth a, an ironic watch okay i i like I've, I've watched it more than once and i've never felt like my time is wasted because i watch it and think this is silly but uh, like i said it has a lovecraftian quality and some stuff it, it could have been very good it's it's a film of missed opportunities yeah that being said don't pay money to see it if you have an option i i did for a we, lot of reasons yeah if you can find it on youtube watch it that way or if you're someone has a copy yeah, I wouldn't say that it's worth the three ninety nine on no, Amazon God. Prime, but I had to watch it before. Go this. get a coffee instead. Yeah, go, go get a coffee. Um, I'm gonna give it for me. I'm gonna give it two thumbs. Okay. I I I, I almost want to do two and a half, but you know, it's just it's, it's it failed in so many ways. But in a way, it it, it I mean, I almost want to say it's like the Fifth Element. Oh, I because that's that. another movie that's bad, but I'm entertained by. Yeah. But the fifth element, like, is satisfying. And is at least visually it's interesting. It's visually interesting. It's stupid in its own ways, but from a structural standpoint and a understanding of the nature of the world, it makes a bit more sense. It's a big sci-fi movie. It's like that to me. But this one is the same thing. I'm, like, reasonably entertained by it. And then it's just unsatisfying, and it just kind of sucks. <laughs> in like such a, it almost sucks in a fun way. But that being said, I, I gotta go with two thumbs. Okay. It's not worth seeing unless it's for free. So this was the first time I'd ever seen this oh, movie. Yeah. When was the first time for you? Oh, Do you I remember? saw it. Must have seen it on HBO in the early two thousands. Because I remember seeing the trailer and thinking, "This looks cool. This okay. looks like um, you know something I'd enjoy." But you know, like I said, I. I Horror movies, uh, you know, I'm not a big fan of seeing them in the theaters. If sure. I'm afraid I get too scared, I'd rather be at home. Yeah, there's no point in recreating the anxiety that you're already going yeah, through. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So it was like that. So, you know, and I, and I was pretty young. I wasn't really going to find anyone who wanted to go see it with me. And I didn't know if I wanted to, but I saw it on HBO. So the thing, and I this movie's it, 20 years old yeah, at this point. And I watched it and kind of was like, it, it, I, like it had the cool things, but it's also dumb. Yeah, it's two thumbs. <laughs> it's got Johnny Depp. It's got Johnny Depp's great performance Frank by Langella. Frank Langella. Even the Baroness Kessler's, yeah, some good stuff. Um, you know, it was less problematic when I initially, before I understood all the stuff that Roman Polanski did. Um, so yeah, I say don't pay money to see it. Yeah, t- two thumbs. It, the reason it's not one thumb is it, there are elements that I enjoy about. Awesome. So traditionally, we'll award our thumbs to characters in the movie. Oh, Who are you okay. going to give your two thumbs to? You can give them to the same person. Or you can oh, split I, them up. I, I'm going to have to give one to Frank Langella's yeah. character. And one to Baroness Kessler, who I kind of wish was in the movie a Me little Me too. More. She was my favorite, and yeah. she had the most interesting, like, what happened yeah, to her? Yeah, we never learned much about her, but a great performance by Barbara Jeffords, great performance by Frank Langella. 
Part of me thinks that she lost her hand in some kind of ritual, like trying to summon great. the devil. That would have been such a fun like thing, or she like you know you she got into the devil so she wouldn't be to not be paralyzed anymore. Yeah, so, and they they just you know they just don't do anything with no. it. Yeah, even her like bodyguard, like there could have been some kind of uh, tie there. Maybe yeah. I don't know. Anyway, uh, so awesome. Yeah, this movie. I'm really glad you brought this movie to me because I need more movies like this to demonstrate that uh, I don't just give all movies I watch five thumbs. No, and I told you this. I know, like, this one, there's so much to talk about with things, very little what I like and a lot of what I don't like. And I th- I knew there'd be a lot to talk about yeah. with this one. I mean, but I some- said it was not good. <laughs> right, right. No, you did preface that, so I was prepared. But I feel like for me personally, it's important to watch a bad movie occasionally yeah. to get an idea of what is good and what is bad. Because if you're only consuming the the triple triple uh, A releases, I think it's a video game thing. Yeah, yeah, triple A. If you're only uh, watching the the big tentpole movies, then you only have that kind of metric. Sure. It's important to watch good and bad movies, especially as an aspiring writer, so that you have an idea. Yeah, I, and I think um, th- there's there's things like you know I watch a lot of red letter media. I'm a big mystery science theater three thousand. Yeah. Fan. So there is um and I, so I can derive pleasure from watching a bad movie totally that's and why that, that's podcast really exists. like yeah that, so i knew that this is one that i want i was fine watching again to talk about it but you know it's, it's not a good movie no no unfortunately <laughs> i mean from from the score to some of the direction to the writing he yeah. just spends a lot of time just hanging if there out were just things that were explained this yeah. could have been a much better movie so and i'm only gonna give don't. it yeah, yeah so i'm only gonna give it one thumb the dreaded sure. one thumb and i'm going to give that thumb to Witkin, Alan yeah. Garfield, yeah, why not? so that he can point thoroughly unscrupulous. That, yeah, that was um, that was worth it. For he him. deserves an Oscar nomination for that performance. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I'll be him for Halloween. Well, Jeremy, thank you so <laughs> yeah. much for coming on to the Gory Days. Is there anywhere that people can find you online? Yeah, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Jeremy Blutstein, and that's uh, at J E R E M Y B L U T. S-T-E-I-N. Perfect. Um, we'll put that in the description. I have uh, a Medium page where I have posted... Um, oh, this is weird. I used to write funny short stories on Yelp, like very surreal comic short stories. Yelp took down most of them. On Yelp? Yeah. I thought it'd be a fun way to get... Like, As a my, review? Yeah. <laughs> I thought it'd be like a really fun way to get my writing out there and like kind of go viral. It never really kicked off the way I wanted, but so most, so a lot of them did get taken down. You can see those on my media. I want to read day. those. No, check them out. Um, there are a few, st- I think there are three still live under the name HPE Laughcraft. Okay. Th- this is real. This is something I thought like I, I thought it felt like a very good idea at the time. You can see that. And um, I'm also on Instagram at uh, Jeremy Bloodstein, same as Twitter. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for coming on the Gory Days. And thank you out there for listening to another episode with me, Kyle. Like I mentioned at the top, if for whatever reason you want to hear more of me in a week, you can check out Feeling It Out with Kyle and Connor right where you're listening to your podcast right now. Otherwise... Stay scary out there. The Cory Days.